Hello, 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 and welcome to Starter Set Season 2, Episode 1, our podcast all about card games. Uh, We're so excited you joined us today, and with this jazzy little intro, I wanted to also make you aware that with the launch of Season 2, Episode 1, we have also launched a brand new YouTube channel for all things Camp Legend. Camp Legend is our umbrella for all of the shows that we do, um, Starter Set being one of them. And so if you want to check out our brand new YouTube channel that already has a bunch of content on it, including clips from previous episodes of this show, also tons of card game content that we've already finished and published and put up there, you can grab the link to that in the description of this episode. And with no further ado, I'm going to hand things over to myself and to uh, Dead Broke Nerd and to Gibby as we launch in to Starter Set Season 2, Episode 1. Hello and welcome to the Starter Set. I'm one of your hosts, Mark Lit from outside of Pittsburgh. And with me today, I have my amazing... An amazing, amazing co-host, Dead Broke Nerd and Gibbles and Bits. It's going to be back in the studio. It's going to be back for season two of the starter set and the first official episode of the Rebrand Boys. That's right. Let's go. Right. We're here. We got there. We are uh, rebranded. Legends cast RIP. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. this is collectible <laughs> merch now. <laughs> yeah, if you if you have the Retro, hoodie Retro or man. the hat, yeah, the hoodie, the hat, the t-shirt, man, that's going to be worth big money one day when Starter <laughs> Set blows up. That's uh, right. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen, we're going to kick off every episode of Starter Set with a really fun question. Um, and so I came up with a question for tonight, and my question was this. Um, if you could choose one fictional world to live in of the various fictional worlds that we had a card game that we covered last year right and so uh obviously you guys are going to pick inscription clearly um of the various <laughs> fictional worlds which fictional world would you pick so fictional world i think about the games that we've played and i won't go any recap of what we've done but from 2023 but for me it was it was kind of simple uh it would be marvel snap Okay. Yeah. Live amongst the superheroes. Yeah, I love that. I love that. DVN, you have one? Yeah, for sure. And, you know, I thought about Marvel Snap, uh, but then I was like, but what if I'm not a superhero? Because then, like, everything gets way scarier, right? Because now super villains <laughs> exist. You know what I'm saying? Yes. So I was like, all right. So unless you can promise me I'm going to be a superhero, I have to go. Uh, with Pokemon, uh, you remember that song from the original, the Pokemon CD? I think, Gibby, I think you and I have talked about the the Pokemon CD. We all live in a Pokemon world, baby. That's what I want. I wanna, I wanna have we some cool, some cool uh, pocket monsters. That's what I want. Yeah, uh, honestly, Pokemon is like, I, I'll, I'll be original and I'll deter from going Pokemon. But it was, it is like it's since sixth grade it's been pokemon for me right like, that's like the world what else that, mm-hmm. absolutely <laughs> yeah it's the world that i wanted to live in since like sixth grade yes um but you know what i'm gonna go i'm gonna change it up though this is a scary world to live in this is probably probably <laughs> not the one that you want to really long term want to end up in but maybe visit um i i think it would be gwent um oh, i just yeah. am in love mm-hmm. with the world Old of gwent timey. and i would you know i've been playing classic fantasy games 
my whole life, basically. And to be in a world where I can actually cast magic, unfortunately, Gwent is kind of a darker version of the yeah. fantasy <laughs> variety. This mm -hmm. is like the only one, like good one that we had I suppose, last year. I suppose we did, uh, we did return to Runeterra. So you could do Runeterra, I guess. Get fair, fair. Yeah, but I'm never sure if I am going to get Trundle or a KDA version of Poppy. So I, I just, I, I don't know. <laughs> the the Runeterra universe is confusing hodgepodge that's for sure me. That's true. Uh, I'd live in Vandal City, and that's maybe it. <laughs> okay, the expansion that killed it for me might be the best place to live in the in the, the, the Runeterra Feywild, right? Yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. Uh, well, listen, well, one fictional world that we know for a fact none of us want to go and live in is the most grim and dark fantasy world that we may ever enter on the starter set. And that is the world of Warhammer 40K, which is where we're going to next. Warhammer 40K put out a new collectible card game. Um, it is called Warp Forge. It's made by Games Workshop and a developer called Everguild, which I'm imagining is kind of like Games Workshop's digital group or whatever. Um, uh, there's a lot of people fiercely loyal to Warhammer 40K. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of them. Um, but we decided to dive in as this game did come out in October of 2024. It is not the first Warhammer game. There is an Age of Sigmar, which is basically Warhammer's fantasy variant that did come out. And I played it several years back, uh, just briefly on my phone. Had some really interesting mechanics. This is Games Workshop second dive into uh, making digital card games. And uh, and the three of us began to explore it over break. Um, so we wanted to dive in on that first three weeks of the season. We're going to be talking about Warhammer 40K Warp Forge together. So if you want to check it out, it is available in all of the normal places, Steam, on Discord, or not on Discord, oh my gosh, on, on your phone, all that stuff. Um, <laughs> We're going to dive into the conversation. Real quick disclaimer, don't make the mistake that I did. If you download it on your phone or tablet, go into your account settings and enter an email into it. So that way you can enter that email in on desktop if you're going to play it on Steam. Otherwise, there is no way to sync those two accounts. Oh. They will be separate from one another. Mm -hmm. uh, this little disclaimer is we're getting into it. Um, DBN, I'm going to kick it to you. Uh, just with this you know, simple question, I think is a good one as we're getting into it. Tell us about your first experiences in Warp Forge, kind of what some of your thoughts have been about the game, tutorial, stuff like that. Yeah, so Warp Forge has been interesting. Um, you know, it really doesn't give you any introduction to the universe. Um, you know, I know we're going to talk about a few things that we found and I, I imagine we'll pass it back and forth for each of these things, you know, things that we found that were innovative or, or caught us right away in terms of something that's fun. But my first experience was, Oh, I'm being addressed by some NPC as a character that I have no reference for. I don't have any reference for the world. I don't have any reference for what's going on whatsoever. But okay, I'm jamming cards uh, into each other uh, and shooting and blasting and whatever. Um, so I am a few hours of, of gameplay in and I still don't know what's going on. So, you know, my first impression was... <laughs> This the 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 universe. This game really is pretty sure that the only people that are going to pick it up uh, are 
existing Warhammer players, which I think is uh, a big shame because what they didn't underestimate is the um, the card game community will try literally anything once. Um, <laughs> and, that is so true. And so I think that that was uh, that's definitely still a big missed opportunity that I'm like, I know that the existing Warhammer players don't need to be told what space Marines are, the Ultramarines or whatever. But I do. I don't know what the, I mean, like, you know, like, I don't know what any of these factions are. So uh, anyways, that was the thing that that just beat me over the head when I first started was an overwhelming sense of what the heck is this IP? <laughs> I don't know about you guys. Yeah, good, Gibby. I, I'm curious about what your thought was because I know, like, I am a miniature gamer a little bit, so I know 40k exists, and I know the littlest amount about it from a podcast where guys paint 40k miniatures on the side of doing a podcast about board games. So I'm sure you're probably a person who knows li like literally nothing about Warhammer 40k before we booted this up <laughs> you have insulted my intelligence that i know literally nothing about this ip but you're 100 correct okay. i don't uh, <laughs> i i, I really don't i i opened up <laughs> this game and i went half, to not gonna lie <laughs> and i i i queued up this this tutorial and i had i was like okay this is a like to me it was just a generic card game tutorial i was like i have no idea who any of these people are okay there's a there's a warlord Cool, generic warlord that, that means absolutely nothing to me. Do, do, am I gonna play blue warlord or red warlord today? Like that's the <laughs> old, that's what I saw in my screen, and then I was like, okay, home screen. Let's let's look around at some stuff. But like I, there's an excitement. Like when we started playing Snap, we knew so much about yeah who we were putting in decks and what was going on, and even like the revisits to Runeterra or revisits to Hearthstone or Pokemon for that matter. But I had no idea. I'm clicking on cards, just trying to read like things. I and I'm just trying to understand the game. I wasn't trying to understand the IP because I feel like that was a a taller task than I was able to accomplish as a new player, having no idea what uh, Warhammer was. I I I thought at one point Warhammer 40k because I knew it was a minis game that each side was a table with 40 thousand okay. miniatures on each side <laughs> like at it. one point i rationalized that in my head as a possibility and i was like is is that what this game is because that sounds like absolute chaos that sounds like lord of the rings on a table but now now hold on so first off just on that um i i also don't know what the heck the 40k is referenced to and i'm hoping mark can solve that uh but one mm -hmm. thing that i wanted to say that gibby just made me think of is i wonder did marvel snap do that very well you know what i'm saying like i i think marvel snap probably could assume that people had some basis for marvel superheroes because that is a let that is you know inundated culture for the last sure i don't know since like what what uh iron man came out in 2012 right or no no that was the avengers earlier. 2008 or 2009 or something Six? like that yeah I the avengers was, was 2012 you know, yeah. and 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 like DC's uh, Dual Force, which uh, by the way, I don't think we announced this on the show, but rest in peace, DC Dual Force. You didn't even Already make it six dead. months. <laughs> Already dead. Servers shutting down in February. Crazy. I'm glad we reviewed Thank it when we right. did. 
Oh my gosh! Thank goodness like, we didn't keep on with that. Game. The hardest R.I.P. Like, yeah, and and I can't imagine the people that that spent money on that game thinking it's DC, like it's oh, gonna be around. Can you imagine? I can't imagine. I don't. I don't think they're doing Jeez. any refunds. But if a game's not even gonna be out, and if they're shutting down servers in February, they should be giving refunds. It's it is uh, atrocious, terrible business. Practice. I don't think they have the like, money they, to give is, refunds. That's well, why everything's well, shutting down. I mean, I'm just saying, like they they were like they didn't even give it a chance. They didn't even launch it on mobile. It's crazy, and I don't know who pulled the funding. I don't know what was going on behind the scenes there, but uh, it is embarrassing, and it is a stain on another, along with the Justice League movie. The Batman versus Superman, <laughs> you know, the uh, I think there was a DC Comics uh, MOBA. It's another stain on DC's inability to turn anything profitable outside of their comic books. Um, but what I was going to say is like I'm thinking about Marvel Snap when we played it and that just kind of threw you in the deep end. It's like, hey, here's Dr. Doom is taking this thing over. Better go fight him. But it like, is that more acceptable because it's an IP that on average more people are going to be familiar with and like like we give it a pass yeah i'd say yes to that question to answer it simply i'd say yes and the game is also easier to understand like there's like the what in the context of warp forge and marvel snap Mm -hmm. to kind of recircle the conversation back on like specifically warp forge there's just no like the game itself is so much more complicated it feels like and like nuanced, but also more established, right? So you're there's so much that already exists in the game that it's already it would already I would have already been a complicated enough game, and then now being thrown in and not having any idea who or what is in front of you makes it even it distances you as a player, it distances you as a like a gamer i should i should say and i guess as a a fan of the ip because you just don't know what you're looking at and there's not like a like a warhammer movie you can go watch to get a better understanding is there yeah so i wonder i i feel i bet you there's an animated movie for warhammer somewhere (laughs) there's probably something and even that it might be hard to figure out which world (laughs) yeah it might be hard to figure out which world So, so for me coming into warp forge i was actually kind of excited about it because i did play one of the older card games by uh, Games Workshop. And it was really interesting. Um, In that one, you had a faction with a leader and you put cards up on the board, but they were squares with numbers or symbols in each corner. And every round they rotated. And when they would rotate, the corner that came up that round would trigger either an attack or a special ability. And all of your cards were kind of on timers. And so they would rotate and you could remove them before they finished rotating if you got their best ability off and replace them. And it had four separate lanes that you were defending. I thought that game was interesting. And so I was really excited to come into this. Now, that was Age of Sigmar, which is Warhammer's fantasy world. Um, it's set way in the past and it's fantasy. Warhammer 40K is a futuristic game. And I believe that 40K represents the year 40,000. And so it's super futuristic. Um, the creature, like the space Marines and the chaos marauder, I don't know what their names are. Um, you know, like the tech necromancers, like all of the various things that are mm-hmm. in the game, right? These are all super futuristic things is, is, it's kind of like the theming and it's a very sort of grim dark the universe has been torn apart by endless war but the truth of the matter is is the lord the lore itself is pretty impenetrable and so like when you play warhammer 40k 
you actually buy this really thick tome that's like a Dungeons and Dragons book plus that gives all of the rules with all of the point values and everything for making your army. But then also the vast majority of the book is lore and it's telling you about the various factions and things that have happened to them and the way the lore has developed. 40K also has a book series. And so for me, accessing 40K's lore is kind of similar to accessing Destiny's lore. It's like, if I really want to know Destiny's lore, I can, but I need to watch a three and a half hour mirandering, like just all <laughs> over the place YouTube video in order to access it. And to be honest, I probably need to watch that video two or three times to remember any of it so when I encounter somebody in game that matters and so for me it was almost like because I had a very similar experience it was almost like I logged in and it was like oh you're assuming either I've already read all of the 40k books and I know the lore or you're basically saying to me it is literally impossible for us to update you on the lore you will never have any clue what's going on if you don't play the game so just enjoy the mechanics my friend um <laughs> that's kind of how that's kind of how it felt, which brings us to kind of our next point. One of the things that we want to do when we are getting first into a game is we don't want to spend a ton of time delving into its intricacies. We just don't know them. But what we do want to do is we want to spend a little bit of time touching on um, what we liked and what we didn't like, at least initially. And so we're going to go around the horn again and just share what are a thing or two that you found creative or new because i think we've played so many card games now one of the things that we can sort of add value in is saying hey this i found to be unique about this game and i enjoyed this it, amongst the card gaming genre what does warp forge bring to the table that other card games in your experience dbn don't really bring to the table yeah so um what is unique about Warp Forge is simply that it is a new take on blending existing card game tropes. And, and look, we've seen successful implementations of games that take something that has been done before, but puts a new spin on it, a fresh coat of paint on it, uh, or blends them with other features that have never been blended before. I think this game is pretty... Um, it's actually pretty adventurous when it comes to taking concepts that we have seen explored in other games, things like uh, factions uh, with special faction related things that don't overlap, uh, like uh, leaders, right? Which we've seen implemented in several games where you start the game with a leader on the board. This is becoming a more popular design choice, by the way, something that's also going to be uh, present in the Star Wars game that's going to be coming out later this year. The, the you know, cardboard star wars unlimited physically yeah physical unlimited. card game unlimited uh where you start with a base and a champion or hero or what, whatever it's called right um and this does that as well with a special power and with its you know a base attack and defense very similar to like duelist which we played and we reviewed in 2023 um it has things where you've got uh typical creature combat trading you've got a lot of keywords that are very similar the thing is, is that none of those or very few of those feel wholly original. The only things as I poured through it that I felt were like really interesting and like, okay, I like this and I want to, and I want to see what they can do with this, uh, is the range versus melee. Um, and specifically the way that it clearly has them, it, it you know how we complimented Gwent for the provision system and how it gave them access to an, an extra layer for balancing. 
This to me screams like this is how you balance a card that you want to be flavorful in a certain direction. So for instance, I ran into a card today in a tutorial that had like a ridiculous attack power, melee attack power for its cost, but it had zero ranged power, which means it has no flexibility in how it attacks. If something can attack it with range, it has more balanced stats. Um, you know, similar to other card games, I guess I'll give for the audience here, similar to other card games, you know, when something attacks something else, they trade damage. So they have a health pool, they have an attack stat, but they, in this game, they have two attack sets, one for melee combat and one for ranged combat. And so if I see that enemy card with five melee power, but zero ranged, and it has two health left, my little space marine can shoot it with a ranged attack of two, damaging it, taking it out. And when it, normally if it had attacked with its two melee, instead uh, of taking the five back, I can I can attack with range and not take anything back. And so take it's nothing, really yeah. unique mm -hmm. in that way. Unfortunately, sometimes it felt like it slowed my turns down as I'm trying to get used to like, okay, not just do I need to figure out the optimal creature trading li like lines, but I also need to figure out which order to attack and with which uh, melee or ranged to make that attack, which I think I'm just guessing probably harkens back to the tabletop origins, right? Where you have different types of attacks you can make. I'm sure I've seen people mm -hmm. playing games. I don't know if it was 40 K, but things like that where they get the measuring tape out to see if something's in range or not. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. uh, yep, yep. <laughs> and so it seems like a 40 K. And, and so yep. I so, think that that is probably the thing that sticks out to me right away as like the most new that I hadn't seen before. And I'm still trying to wrap my head around it completely. Yep. Yeah. So like in, for example, Star Wars Legion, uh, another tabletop game similar to 40K, I can have a Sokatana who has a strong melee attack, but no ranged attack at all. So she can be attacked from ranged without any penalty. Um, but then I can also have normal soldiers that have both combat knives, but also guns, right? And so they have a, they have a laser rifle. And so they can shoot from range, but if you get into melee with them, they can also pull out their knives. They're not as effective, but mm -hmm. they can fight from melee. I think I think that you're right. That very similar thing. Um, I like, yeah, hundred percent. It does it does kind of pull in a little bit of that feel of the miniatures gaming. Well, and the thing that I think makes it a little bit. I don't want to say. I don't want to go all in and say it's inspired, but it is interesting. Because it does add a lot of depth to probably deck building, I can imagine, though I haven't built my own deck yet. But I mm. also can see where this would be a fantastic balancing tool in that if something is clearly designed to have a specific role as a great melee attacker, uh, you know, or something that's like overstated for its price, instead of attacking or instead of hitting the thing that it's really good at you can continue to diminish the thing that it's naturally bad at, right? Um, mm. And so I think that that's a really neat... Uh, you know, innovative, I'll say, uh, component to Warp Forge. Um, Gibby, yeah. how, how about you? Did anything stand out to you on this? I mean, that was the thing that immediately I was like, wow, okay, that's that's new. You, you stole the thing I wanted to talk about, which which I think was, uh, it became very apparent clearly to all three of us mm -hmm. that the the different types of attacks on the troops and, and your, your war leader um, is one of the biggest standouts of the difference but i think as a game i'm going to take a step back from the gameplay itself sure um and look at like the actual the game itself and this is just my assessment having just gotten into it right and us not really having spent a whole lot of time in it but having done the basics to be able to say um we're new players that are in the game and we, we have we know enough to cover an episode on it and have that true progression of the new player experience 
Warp Forge is not pulling any punches and I kind of love it. Like it's not it's not trying to hold your hand in it. It's not ashamed or 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 afraid to tell you that it's going to be a complicated game and it's meant it almost feels like it's telling you through the tutorial or lack thereof and the the basic menu and the kind of way that you're building your deck you've got two copies of a card you've got 30 cards you've got your your leader and you're gonna put some troops and some spells in there and there's a lot to choose from are you a good gamer or not and can you figure it out like that's kind of what it feels like warp forge is telling me as a new player to do like i'm a competent experienced card game player and I don't feel overwhelmed, but I feel challenged at this point in joining the game. And that's really cool. And I, I don't get the feeling that as my time would progress as a player in the game and I gained more experience and I and I moved on from that proverbial as we kind of look at it as a new player experience, I would continue to feel challenged. It feels like there is definitely significance in this kind of a game to a meta that the the faction systems and the identity of the factions and the cards themselves really do make a difference because of the depth of the game for one the um the different types of damage and i think that is in itself like it's it can't be said how deep that makes your deck building and like your game experience i think along with the your your leader abilities and your stratagems and those are all terms that we're not going to get into but I, I I get the feeling that this is a very deep game that will make you feel like, like, like a very competitive card, like online card player. So I, I really like that about that, about Warp Forge so far. Um, and it makes me want to really explore the different factions because I think it's going to be important that I find a faction that fits my play style. And that's kind of how I'm going to be able to keep up as a competitive player and enjoy and kind of scratch that itch as a competitive uh, card game player. Yeah, I'm actually, uh, we're going to show a little bit of the game itself here. Um, and I, I agree with that uh, to a certain extent, uh, Gibby, I think DBN, you're a hundred percent right. I think a lot of the stuff that you found in the game to be interesting um, what that, that, certainly that little piece there um with uh like the attack ranged and melee is the most interesting and innovative thing that the game does everything else feels like a normal card game um, but one of the things i just want to feature is how many cards are in this game because there are a lot of cards mm -hmm. in this game like this game doesn't add an expansion yet there are a lot of cards in this game like tons and tons and tons and tons of cards i was like blown away and truthfully overwhelmed at the i have i don't think i've ever seen a game at launch that has this number of cards that are in it and to be honest there are some incredible looking cards like yeah. some of the so, best artwork i've ever seen so one thing just to be clear because i was digging into this ahead of the episode um it does seem that they launched with uh, all of the factions that are currently in the game, uh, that being the Ultramarines, the Orcs, the Technomancer people, which are also vaguely Egyptian, uh, the Hive monsters, the Chaos God Marines, and the Space Samurai people. Uh, 40k players, feel free to roast me in the comment section. I don't care. It's confusing. Uh, <laughs> but 
Um, what has happened is that they have added more cards to each of those existing factions and a few different content drops as they've gone from the early or from the uh, closed beta through early access. Uh, and I suppose they're launched now, or maybe we're at the tail end of early access. I'm not exactly sure. I did see, though, that they have big... This is something that, like, typically we're a little worried about with card games that aren't attached to, like, the biggest of IPs. But I suppose Warhammer is a stable enough IP that maybe this is well-funded because they are already talking about that they have three expansions in the work through 2024, six what they're calling reinforcement drops of um, smaller content uh, for existing factions where these big expansions will introduce new factions. It, I guess there's probably a lot of factions in Warhammer, and I'm, I'm starting to glean. Um, <laughs> but, there uh, are. you know, they've added a lot already, and they're really aggressively interested in adding a lot in the future and looking on their website i was impressed to see uh that they've posted even in their short you know however many months i think they launched uh in october, october. They launched in october they've yeah. had multiple balance changes since then they've had their ranked ladders introduced exclusive deals they've done promotions uh meta reports on their website so like you know this yeah. is a this appears to be a pretty scrappy development team, which makes me a little bit more willing to forgive sort of the oversights of the new player experience, which is always a struggle for card games. Like most card games struggle with the new player experience, but I think you're right. Like, I mean, I was, I was truly, I was extra overwhelmed when I went into the collection and saw how many cards and I quickly left. I was like, I can't handle this right now. A hundred percent. It's feel that not way. worth feeling. It doesn't feel like it's worth going through them because it, like, like going one by one and looking at the cards, I'm not going to have a grasp yet as a new player about the context of how that card performs against the other 300 cards that are in the, the set. Yeah, it's huge. I mean, I think it's robust. And that was one of the things that I thought, I'm not saying that that makes the game unique, Mm -hmm. um, in terms of innovative mechanics. But I do think that it makes the game innovative in terms of launch. Like, in terms well, of launching a game, the amount of content that's there. Yeah. I don't know a lot of the other card games that have pulled this off. <laughs> with the quality of artwork, with the intensity of mechanics, I'm not saying it's not overwhelming. It's super overwhelming. I'm just saying I, I, I'm i impressed it by does, the amount that's in this game already. It doesn't, in like, it it makes me feel a little bit more confident that this game is actually going to be around for the next year or two, because I think <laughs> I think about DC tool force. They yep. had nowhere, nowhere near this much content. not even a third uh, of this much content. And, you know, it was pretty clear they, that the team seemed directionless, you know, and this game, while certainly imperfect, and we'll get to that in a second in terms of our initial, initial things we weren't a big fan of. Um, but you can't say that this isn't a ambitious game. And I look for that when I look for a new game because I don't need everything to be perfect out of the gate. I just need things to give me a sense of confidence that this is a team that's taking their job seriously um, mm -hmm. and providing something that they feel is of quality. And I would bet you that somebody that is a Warhammer fan is probably just fanboying all over the place uh with the mm -hmm. kind of oh, artwork yeah. that's in here 
you know, the kind of, uh, you know, deep, complex strategies of which we're excited, I think, to explore in the future. I did want to ask, um, before we move on to things that were maybe less, uh, you know, positive, uh, what factions did you guys naturally gravitate to? Because I'm very interested to hear that. Um, Gibby, I know that this is something that you typically uh, find something and just instinctually you find that thing that you're like, this is this is it. I get this. I like this. Did you have any of that feeling with this game? And if so, what was it? Um, I With the Saim Han, um, so I think that's the the space pirates, as you called them, or the space space samurai samurai. Yeah, that's the faction that I had, I think, the most fun with so far from reading a couple articles. I think it makes sense why I was having fun with them. Not that I was playing any like top cards, but uh, from a mechanics perspective, I think currently they sit in a very powerful position as from my understanding that faction, mm -hmm. but there's a lot of flying and flank. So it felt like there was, um, I don't know. I felt like it was a good way to build decks out the gate. Um, or there was a bunch of accessible, strong cards from the, from the front. Um, I had a lot of fun playing that faction without, I don't have a whole lot of context on the rest of the factions. I played the, um, like I said, I played the, the Samhan and then the, uh, the Marines was the other Space one that I had played. Mm -hmm. Yes. Now, so just while we're on the Samhan, if I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. That was actually one thing that just occurred to me that was also kind of unique was this waystone mechanic and same with the, mm -hmm. Techno mm -hmm. Necrons, the Techno Necrons, yeah, the Necron yeah. things, uh, which was that they leave things behind, the remnants in the case of them on the board that you, as the defending player, are like, oh, do I want them. to attack them to clear that it's a decision remnant? point, or in the case of this Waystone thing with the Saim Han, do I want to give them this uh, extra secondary resource? that they can do stuff with and upgrade their cards with. Cause you have that choice. If you plan your turnout correctly, that you can spend an attack, you know, to, to remove the waystone before they can collect it on their next turn. And those, um, like leaving things behind on the board that felt somewhat innovative to me too. I'm sure someone's done something similar before, but I have not yet encountered a game that does something quite like that. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, I thought that was I thought that was cool too. I read the mechanic, but I didn't encounter it a lot in the early cards that I was playing. So hadn't really gotten a, I think um, beyond your kind of description there, which is great. I hadn't really gotten to experience that a whole lot. But that is that does from the sound of it and from the understanding of the mechanic sound like something that'd be rather unique. Um, and I wonder if it's in any of the other factions or if it's just the Saim Han. Well, I know that the necromancer things uh, have that remnant but I don't know about the yeah. other factions. I didn't encounter that. But Mark, was there a faction or two that you instantly gravitated towards? So I, I like the same one that Gibby had mentioned. I did enjoy that. Um, the only other one I'll, I'll mention is I, I did really, I like the hive. Um, mm. I think the hive is really fun. It's got this sort of like bug swarm predator type theme to it. I mean, you can clearly see kind of in some cases the era that 40K kind of came up in. Um, you can tell that 40K is not like a new game because like literally most of them are just so inspired by the movie Predator and the movie Alien. Uh, like you could just tell they got so much inspiration from those with this sort of like, and, and there's so many games from that era, like video games mm -hmm. from that era that also got 
so much inspiration from those two movies when it yeah. thought about well, sort of like the menacing, you know, endless hordes in outer space somewhere. Um, and I really liked, uh, I liked the tide ability. I liked the ability to swarm as well. Yeah. As uh, so a swarm mm-hmm. just kind of lets you build a big dude or spread out depending on where you position them to the left or the right on your board of somebody. I found that to be really interesting. And I really liked that, to be honest, because um, I just felt like there was new interesting decision points to make as I was playing out my guys and how I positioned mattered a great deal, whether I was going to go wide or whether I was going to go with a big boy. And you could kind of do either of those with this. Uh, but then some of the utility of this faction isn't really there. Um, and I'll say this because this is my last positive point in the DBN. You can tell us about what factions you gravitated towards. Um, the other thing that I liked was they tried to force you to gravitate towards a faction and there's not really any other card game that does that well with the exception of Gwent, um, Mm -hmm. which includes packs of cards that are exclusive to your faction. I could talk about the flaws of how they did it all day. However, I liked that it was there. They have a really robust sort of faction roadmap for both free and paid rewards. Um, I think there's big flaws there, but I think it's interesting that they included that and it doesn't end within like a week. Like you felt like the Runeterra one did. I think that you will actually develop faction loyalty in this game in a really unique way as you grow your collections and as you play your cards. I think that's a really cool thing. And it also harkens so truly to Warhammer 40 K because Warhammer 40 K players are so true to the faction that they build, right? Like even as a miniatures gamer, my, my army took so much time to build, so much time to glue, so much time to paint, so much money that I am a Rebels player, right? Like in Star Wars Legion, I play Rebels and and I'm going to, you know, whatever. I don't care if my Rebels are meta or not. Like I play Rebels and I think that a lot of Warhammer 40k players, especially more casual players, feel that way. They'll come in here and immediately gravitate towards the faction that they put on the board, you know, once a week at their local game shop. I think that's pretty dope. Even if it doesn't appeal to me the way they did it, I think it's really cool. DBN, what's the faction that you you tended to just like run towards when you when you first got in? Yeah, it was orcs. Um, it was definitely the orcs. I, I had that guess. I had that guess. Yeah. Now, why did you think that? <laughs> I, I didn't know why. Well, I didn't figure you would like the ultramarines. To be honest, no, they're bland. Um, they're bland. And then I figured for the same exact reason, you wouldn't like the chaos guys because they're just darker shaded ultramarines. Yeah. <laughs> um, and honestly, I felt like the other factions for you getting into the game, um, specifically the Necrons and the the Samurais, um, you were going to gravitate towards something, at least initially when you first started playing, that you felt like, okay, I can really wrap my mind around this and get a really good feel for the game. Yeah, my... Uh, my my spike was like, all right, these other things are too complicated. Give me the Unga Bunga man and let me start just running. You know, uh, me no trade, me only go face. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> the inner hunter player. That's right. The inner hunter player. Um, I like winning more than I like learning. Uh, no, that's not true. Uh, but no, so I did. I, I immediately, when I did the tutorials for everything and I did every single factions tutorial, and it, they caught me as soon as it was like, oh, here's Tide. Play three of these little exactly. little dudes. And then I had things that are like, 
adjacent characters do X. And I'm like, sold. I love positional combat. That's the only mm. thing about Hearthstone left that I like is positioning the things on the board. And I really liked that uh, for the orcs. And they seem to have the most things that benefit off of being next to each other or having a lot of dudes on the board. Uh, and so... I just, I think about some of the decks that I have been most successful with in other games. Um, I was a hunter player for a very long time. All of the, you know, the beasts that would come down and, you know, boost each other. I played the crap out of, you know, this is, this dates me, but like Defender of Argus and all of my different face hunter builds, right? Um, and then I played Tessel and my, like, the deck that I could just easily get to like top 100 master with was, you know, Crusader where I'm just like putting a bunch of little, you know, Norse dudes out and buffing them with the other things that would go next to them and stuff like that. And so I'm like, I not only do I understand this because I think it is next to the Space Marines, probably like the next most, not basic, but accessible, like if you've played other games, right? Um, but also it's so proactive. And I think I gravitate towards proactive strategies um, in general. Uh, so I really liked it. Also, they make really funny uh, comments when they come into play, uh, and they're they're. I just you know, it's I don't. I would have looked at the aesthetic, and would have been like, "This is the last faction I'll pick." But then, as soon as I started hearing these goofy idiots yell at each other, I was like, "Nope, just kidding." Full reversal. This is my this is my favorite. Uh, <laughs> they're kind of the comic relief, though, yeah. aren't they? I mean, da -da 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 -da. Yeah, they're kind of comic relief in a in a world that's like seemingly so grim and serious. And I'm going to shoot my gun, and you will never extinct my people. Everything um, around me is made of metal. Yeah, I mean, there's the literally just different. <laughs> there's literally cards. Get them, lads, and I'm just like, all right. I love this. <laughs> uh, so anyways, um, I'm really excited to explore the uh, Goff clan, which just makes me think of a bunch of Jared Goffs running around. <laughs> in, 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 uh, Someone's got football on the brain. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, gun toting, uh, chainsaw wielding football players running around. But works uh, with guns, works man. with guns. Yeah, it's fun. Works and I, uh, I do. I did really enjoy playing with a bunch of the different cards in that faction and i'm hoping to unlock some more uh soon so that was on average what... they've got more teeth than brain cells that's true uh and you know it's funny uh mark's got one pulled up right now snotlings are unable to use orc weaponry which resulted in them occupying the lowest strata of orc society still do not trust any orcoid near explosive material and it's literally just a goblin riding a torpedo through the air <laughs> And it's like, what is even the intention in point here? Because this goblin isn't directing anything. No. He's just, he's just gonna. He's just die. along for the ride. He doesn't have it's to be so there. He's funny. not driving. He's not driving anything. Uh, uh, I think this wins best. Like maybe one of my favorite pieces of artwork that I've seen from the game so yeah. far. It's just hilarious. Goblin kamikaze. Oh. Yeah. Well, a pointless look, kamikaze. Yeah. The, that that was what what I just had the most grins on my face for. Now, I will say, I do kind of want to lean uh, the other direction. Um, again, this is just our first episode reviewing the game. We're going to get a little bit more in depth into what it takes to build your collection and, you know, deeper gameplay points and stuff down the road. But for now, um, just first impressions. Uh, let's swing it back over to uh, to you, Gibby. Um, did you what what did you find confusing or disappointing uh, about the game 
in that sort of first play first couple play experiences um something that i did find disappointing about it was that they it seems like they really do want to encourage you to spend money right out the gate in this game because in combination with the amount of cards that there are in the pool along with the a number of factions that they've got and and the number of cards in each faction if you do want to feasibly have any sort of an impact beyond a basic deck or a basic tutorial of a game or of of, of a faction you are either going to spend quite a bit of time and understand and not mess up utilizing the rewards trees on your early days or you're going to have to spend some money to maybe recover from some of the mistakes that you made not knowing what you were looking at in the rewards trees because it's really not explained for you it's kind of just like a finger pointing on the screen to go to the rewards and then another finger saying click on this button okay you've got a hundred currency of something you don't even understand what are, what are my options to spend this currency on? Who knows? Because they don't tell you. And then how is the like? What's the best way to spend this currency? Who knows? They don't tell you. Uh, so you just end up clicking, and it's like they're the, they're like select a faction. You can you can change your faction at any time, but they don't tell you what the gravity is of having a a faction selected and what it means to have a favorite faction and, and use the rewards. You, you have something to, to, yeah, to add? Yeah, just to chime in, I, I do agree, and I don't want to get into the nitty-gritty of what all of the different resources are because that's a next-week kind of discussion. But I do want to say the menu navigating, the UI navigating tutorial is a pain um, because it's it's probably the only time I've, I've, I've said to myself... Uh, you're trying you're showing me what things do too fast most of the time they're like go to here now go to this other menu now trade it in press accept to lock this in and i'm like too many things i get it already but in this case it's just a little tiny pop-up and if i was playing on tablet and if i pressed anything on my screen boom it was gone and i could never see it again and i'm like what just happened what is this how do i spend it yeah i i, I could not i could not agree more on that gibby yeah, I, I would say that my complaint is pretty similar, Gibby. The game is very expensive. <laughs> um, so each faction has uh, your, you can like do a rewards tree. And then there's a premium version. And the premium version is $20. And every faction's premium version is $20. You don't spend $20 and get all of their premium tracks. You spend $20 per faction. Yeah, but it lasts that, that forever, kind of leads. Does it does it does it's expensive? And it kind of leads to the point of what you guys were were mentioning earlier was the informed forty Warhammer forty k player who comes in and has an allegiance to a faction. Yeah. That's probably yeah. where they're going to make their bang for their buck is because that player views it as I don't really care about the other hundred dollars that I could spend on other factions because I don't care about that faction. I'm going to be a loyalist and I'm going to spend the $20 on my faction. And that's all I really have to care about. Therefore, that's all I do care about. And that $20 is $20 to me versus the hundred dollars that you're putting in front of me that no, I could that's, spend that's a great to get point, the Gary. breadth of the game. That's a great point. Yeah. I, and I will say that the other thing, the shop thing that I didn't love Gibby was they have the, the boosters that you can get. Yeah. And, um, 
you can buy faction specific ones, a so Black Legion or Ultramarines, but they cost you 50% more than buying a pack that just has random stuff and that has all the faction. And I really don't like that. I don't Me like either. that they are pushing you towards faction loyalty and then they are punishing you for having faction loyalty mm. right after that. And I really think that is a massive misstep of this game. I think this is... I, I, I don't know. I feel like it should cost you more for all armies and less for the faction-specific armies, if anything, because you want to push people towards a specific faction that they're building a collection of that faction. That's what this game wants to do, and I feel like this game is... And I feel like the other thing is, this game, once again, their monetary system is also assuming, just like their lore, that you are going to be an avid 40k player. 40k players are known for spending exorbitant amounts of money on their mm -hmm. hobby. That is like a staple known fact about people who are hobbyists in 40k. And to me, it's like, oh, they knew that? And they knew that their 40k players that are playing this game probably aren't going to compare this game to the price and the cost of other card games because they probably don't play a ton of other card games because 40k is a full-time hobby the painting and assembling and the army building and then the playing of the game a lot of 40ks don't play any other games it's the only game they play you don't have a lot of 40ks who also play magic who also play this who also play that a lot of people, that's a lifestyle game for them. And I feel like the company capitalized on that in here by creating prices that I feel are just off base. They're not only archaic and old, they're outrageous in some cases to the point that I feel like they're almost just assuming that their community will just come in and spend it because their community is full of people who will just do that. The last thing that I will say is there is a random chat box in the main menu, and I have no idea what this chat box is. <laughs> Me I, either. I don't know who has access to it. I have no idea who's talking in it. it is this off? the whole community? How do I get rid of it? Why is this thing here? And why have you never mentioned it at any point at all? Who are these people? I don't understand it. And uh, this is the most obnoxious. I was like, I just can't wrap my mind around this. Is this is this everyone? Is this everyone who plays the game? Because I don't. Did you randomly select people? I'm not in a clan. What is this? So that was my biggest. I was like, what am, the heck is this? Text I am box? such a sucker for a Mark rant because they're rare. Like compared Bro, to myself, Gibby. Compared to myself or Gibby, the Mark rants don't come out very often. You know, a couple times a season, and uh, that they're always very funny. And I knew because he messaged me about this exact thing, and I was like, oh, this is gonna be fun to listen to on the podcast. Bro, it's super you can see stupid. Him. You can see him click. You can see him clicking over and over again in the chat, just looking for a reprieve. <laughs> looking for a way out like, to close this stupid box Where's and keep the... it closed and you can't yeah. i was so i'm so tilted by this random chat that they've told me nothing about i can't i can't it deal there's gotta be a way is it no, people no, no, no. it's people there's gotta it's be a way people there's gotta be a way to turn it off in the settings you know maybe that's something we should look into before the next episode is just like you know what well, all right can now. do is anybody policing that chat probably, is just the most not. vile stuff gonna come out um I, yeah, we're clicking around it now. Way. I don't see a way to turn it off. Wow, mm. <laughs> it's boy, howdy! There, that's what we call a problem. Yeah, yeah. 
Like, do they not know how the internet works? I mean, I know they're a tabletop yeah, this... company, but they have to know about the internet, right? <laughs> I, I, I hope they've heard of the internet before, yeah. Um, yeah. Now, I want to move away from <laughs> the chat box, uh, as well as the cosmetics and the pricing stuff, because I, I do know that that is something we always traditionally cover, uh, you know, next episode as we kind of have our monthly cadence. Um, and I want to be able to talk about it with myself being able to, like, buy more things, experience it, and get a feel for what it feels like to accumulate new cards. Um, I do just want to highlight something that I actually found uh, the most disappointing, weirdly, at least playing on tablet. And I would be keen to know, you know, Mark and Gibby, depending on what form you played it on, uh, I actually looked at a lot of the cards, and I was like, wow, the artwork on these is pretty cool. But when I played the game, the cards on the field are tiny. It seems like a very poor use of space. And I, I like can barely keep up with what each thing does because when I'm looking at the field on my tablet, the cards are small. You have to click on every single card to see text. Like, you know, um, so much background is taken up by the background artwork, almost like a play mat, you know, but like you can barely make out any details of these extremely detailed cards. Like, and I just don't think it's a very uh, efficient use of screen space um, that like, I mean, truly right now there's two cards on the screen as Mark is showing, if you're watching uh, the video version of the podcast. And I would say that now three cards, and I would say that these three cards take up how much of the screen, like a 16th, you know what I mean? And oh, you're getting I a under, little bit of artwork for them. And I understand, and I think that it's a scaling thing. I understand if you have seven units on the board, maybe they have to shrink to get a little bit, you know, to fit everything. But I would be really excited if they had a way for you to enjoy the artwork on the cards a little bit more. Um, and I found that incredibly frustrating on my tablet, especially like trying to click on all the cards, um, you know, on the touch screen uh, and to pull the things up and be able to look at them. And I also just found it disappointing as a way to like one of the things that gets me. Uh, it's not what keeps me in the game, but it is what gets me hooked initially is the theme, right? Um, gameplay keeps me in a game, but the theme and the feel is what gets me interested and gets me hooked to start with. Uh, and that just really diminished a lot of my my personal momentum. I think there's a massive keyword overload problem. Um, oh, yes. Oh, there are some no. keywords. Oh there are some keywords gonna get that, that should just be text. Like, truthfully, there are some keywords that should just be text. There's a thing that I've noticed in games where everyone thinks that keywords have to be a thing. And I truly think that this is a game that isn't definitely catering towards competitive players, which is fine. Right. I'm not against complex games, though. I realize now I may seem like a grumpy curmudgeon. That's like, if it's not elegant, then I want nothing to do with it. If anyone who's <laughs> if anyone has seen if anyone has seen Spy X Family, great anime, very funny. But there's a guy who's literally just Mr. Elegant. Everything has to be elegant. That's how I feel like I've been on the podcast this last year since we've been doing Starter Set. And uh, and so I don't I, I'm not saying I don't like complex games. But boy, when it gets laden down with all these things you have to remember right out of the gate, 
and there's no build-up to it. And I think that's part of the problem of the lack of a, tu- a true tutorial um, and a progress system where I think Gwent does a much better job of easing you into what is what becomes a very complex game. This just throws you in the deep end, which is not a problem from a you know perspective of the three of us are very experienced gamers, but it is a cognitive load issue where just over time you're just like, and, and I've complained about this before, and I just think all card games out there would just need to have a summit where they all get together and they say, all right, you know that mechanic where the next time something would take damage, it doesn't take damage? Let's all handshake on one term for that. Okay, is it Ward? <laughs> is it Divine Shield? Let's just all agree that it's one thing no matter what the card game is because, my lord, you've just got all of these different terms for the same damn thing, and it just, it's like, it's it just it's overloading um and i do think that there is a lot of because of their dedication to the faction system they're like every faction has to have their own five keywords and you're just like okay rune terra uh simmer down uh and there's a lot there are there are things where like i would not mind a a, a short sentence of text that was the same on a couple different cards that would have shared this keyword i feel like a lot of games these days over condense they're like we have to we have to make one word that would normally mean three words. So there are literally things like a, a keyword for when it enters play. Just say when it enters play and just put that on the on the card so that I don't have to double check and hover over every keyword every time I'm seeing, you know, a rally is the, the thing in this game, rally. I've seen rally in four other card games meaning completely different things. So I'm hovering mm-hmm. over rally like what is this? Right? Am I going to screw this card up? And it's just when it enters play. And I'm like, well, you could have just said that. You could have just said yeah. when it enters play. So that's we a need, big thing. That we really, need a card game UI UN. It's just that's really great on me. Is <laughs> yeah. Anyways, card get card game UI UN. I love yep. that. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we need it. We need it. We need it. Yeah. Also, please don't call uh, charge flank. Uh, it's very confusing. Yes, right, um, dude. Yes. Right, please because I th- I hear flank and I'm like, it's something that needs to go on either side of things. I think Gwent literally on the has sides on, on the, the sides side of things. No it's flank. That's what it, it makes is. No sense. It makes well, on the no description, sense. if you look at the description of flank on, like when you look at the cards in the description of flank, it's not clear either what it is. It's like, <laughs> oh, it this this ability gives it the ability to challenge other to attack other units on the board you just and i'm just like say that charge. didn't help it's, me it's, at all it's literally <laughs> literally this game was like we can't have it be the same thing as hearthstone all right we can't do rush or charge, charge. what's rush. something else we can do you know flank that's like a military Bum, thing oh, i still got rushed in it. i'll just like something that conveyed like oh my god it's <laughs> Yeah, it's like all of these games want to be their own unique keywords, and it's like just that's not what's y'all. Y'all are running out of words. You're running out of words. Y'all are running out of words. I have a pretty, (laughs) I have a pretty decent vocabulary, but even I'm sitting here just getting confused by all the different terms for the same thing. (laughs) Crazy. I I don't. I can't even read these Latin. What is is going on on these cards? Oh Oh, my gosh. Well. I tell you what, that is going to wrap up our first episode of Warp Forge. Now, you heard in the intro to this episode that with uh, the launch of our rebrand with this and starting season two of Starter Set, 
saying sayonara to the name Legends Cast. We also launched a YouTube channel, which as of right now, you right can go now. and check it out. There's a description in the episode or a link in the description of this episode. There's already content on there. So DDN has been slaving behind the scenes, creating content. And it is under Camp Legend. So the Camp Legend uh, network continues to exist. We mm -hmm. have one show under that right now, which just went and rebranded. There's other existing content out there that you can check out, but we're going to continue to release some not super regular, but content that's going to be coming out. We're not like committing to a schedule or anything. You're not going to get new content every Friday, but as we want to make content and bring on other collaborators uh, from both other shows and also from our community, that content is all going to be going on our YouTube, including this episode with video. And so if you're like, oh, I'm listening to them talk and they're mentioning something that's on screen. What are these idiots thinking? This is a podcast. Well, guess what? There's also a video format for it now. So you can go and watch it and see our smiling or angry faces. Um, so check that Depends out. Depends on too. if we're talking about the Warp Forge chat log. Um, yes. Right. Uh, the, the thing that's really cool about this, uh, we will also be able to host uh, the video version of the podcast through Spotify, which is our, our podcast hosting of choice. So if you listen on Spotify, uh, you can watch just like you would be able to watch on YouTube. Uh, but otherwise, uh, go to YouTube and you can watch the, the video versions of this where we'll be posting it same time, same place um, every week. And so the the audio podcast not going anywhere. We're just adding the video components um, as well so that if, you know, gives us a you know bigger footprint to hopefully attract, you know, more folks. Uh, Camp Legend now obviously has Starter Set as its flagship show. We have the YouTube channel now, and we still have our Discord community, so we definitely encourage you to join that uh, as well, especially with this new influx of content. And just to give you a sneak peek, yes, like Mark said, there is content already up, uh, including some really cool stuff, you know, some, some gameplay of Lorcana with Gibby and I, uh, some discussion of new player-friendly deck lists for Pokemon TCG with myself and Curry, who came on as our correspondent for the Pokemon card game. Um, you know, uh, we've got Mark breaking down in case you were a little confused about what all goes into Warp Forge. He has a fantastic video he put together breaking down the, the user interface uh, and just a brief look at each of the factions uh, for Warp Forge. So I definitely recommend you going and checking that out to get a tour of, you know, what the game looks like in the menus. Um, and soon we'll be putting up some gameplay content for Warp Forge over the few weeks, next few weeks, as we start doing that ourselves. Um, so lots of cool stuff for you to check out. Hopefully you enjoy it. And if you do, give us some feedback on it. Obviously, uh, you know, reply in the comments if you're watching native to, to YouTube. If you're in the Discord community, jump in and tell us, hey, we'd love to see some of more of this content. You really like the Lorcana stuff. We can do more of that. You really liked, you know, you want to see some Gwent content. You know, I know Mark and I can probably be convinced to boot up Gwent and put something together. Um, so just let us know, uh, you know, what you're enjoying. And it's something that we're so excited about and we can't wait for you all to dig into so go over there it is live right now absolutely well guys it's been a great start and a great kickoff to season two of starter set and uh you know we're five years old five years old the show something like that which is yeah. wild or we'll be five years old in june uh, throughout the course of this year just kind of wild this, this podcast many. has been going for that long <laughs> uh, but uh, with that being said with the rebrand with the launch of the youtube and all the cool stuff and with the conversation around warp forge the card game that is going to wrap up this episode of 
starter set. I got to not mess that up. This episode of starter set. There we go. Thank you guys, as always, <laughs> for learning. tuning in. And once again, <laughs> as always, be sure to come back for the next episode. Thanks for listening to this episode of Starter Set. As always, you can find us in three places when you're not listening to the show, over in our Discord server, on our YouTube channel, and also by checking us out on Patreon, where you can support the show. The links to all three of those places can be found in the description of this episode. Thanks for tuning in. For this episode of Starter Set. We look forward to having you back for next episode. Well, welcome, my friends. <sighs> to the after show (laughs) easter eggs baby it's like a marvel movie we didn't tell anybody about this they didn't expect you hung around everybody walked through theaters (laughs) let it let yeah let us let us know if you knew the extra listen you thought oh my gosh these guys jumped into the content so quick what happened to my old dbn gibby and mark who just banter forever about nothingness well we just put it at the end that's right that's the thing thing. whenever there's a whenever there's an after scene in a movie and like you're like walking out of the theater and you see those people still sitting in their seats you're You're like like, what are they they crazy you're like do they know something i don't or are they just like paranoid and crazy and they don't want to miss a thing and And then you end up standing there in the aisle for 10 minutes because you think they know something (laughs) and then nothing happens and you're like i hate them i hate them they made me waste another 10 minutes of my life sitting there (laughs) i was i was already in this damn dc movie Uh. (laughs) freaking amber heard and aquaman i wanted to leave early Well, we're going to do a little question in the post show, a little banter, a little off topic discussion. So uh, this week is what are your card game uh, New Year's resolutions? Uh, what guys, what did you what are you what are you going to try to do in 2024? Didn't do in 2023 with card games. Well, I think for me, I actually Gibby and I've been talking a lot about this uh, recently. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Gibby and I have been playing Pokemon Unite. Uh, trying to play that competitively and recently i think uh, i know i stepped away from it a little earlier i think gibby stepping away from it too um yep and so we're like okay we're not that was like a big part of my competitive uh energy was channeled into that and taking that you know pretty seriously for like two years um you know we didn't quite see the results we wanted to from it but you know we definitely played a ton improved a ton did some cool things um and so I realized that over those two years, my card game competitiveness com- almost completely evaporated. Um, it's not that I didn't play take the game seriously when I played it, but you know, um, I even noticed uh, the other day having just a little bit of like card game tournament anxiety, which I never, ever in my life have I had that. If anything, I used to have this this like unwarranted swagger going into you know card game tournaments right um not that you don't have nerves but that's different from anxiety you know what i mean um and so my new year's resolution for card games is i'm getting my competitive edge back i'm i am going to be competing a lot 
more seriously. I I noticed that I have this tendency to like, I've been playing card uh, games. I've been playing mostly Lorcana and um, Pokemon in person. And I realized the other day I took apart a really strong meta deck that I had acquired all the cards for because I was like, ah, oh, you know, this isn't really fun for my opponent to play against. So I'll just take it apart and play something that's not as good. That's more fun for people. And I was like, what has happened to me? Like what, what, where, who am I? Right. Um, Damn you empathy. Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, well, um, I maybe will still have some of those decks, right? Because I'm somebody that I do really like teaching new players. I do really like coaching players that are like, you know, um, still trying to learn card game fundamentals and stuff like that. But I do want to get that competitive edge back. I think I'm going to be looking for opportunities to maybe even do some travel for competition for either, you know, Pokemon or Lorcana or both uh, over the coming year. And I mm. want to be spending more time, you know, practicing testing um because i believe that i can be an elite card game player and i have been in the past and i want to be again okay okay love that man competitive edge gibby what's your new year's card game resolution my new year's card game resolution is to continue to be a part of a thriving and healthy in-game card community um, I, for out of just pure luck, truthfully, I mean, cause I know it's, it's so hit or miss depending on where you are within the United States or other countries for that matter, because it is a worldwide card game. But for example, I'm playing mostly a lot of Lord Connor right now and I'm loving it. And I want to continue not only being a part of the in-game uh, or the the in-person crowd uh, for Lorcana. I've been going most Saturdays to play Lorcana at my local game shop here in Memphis. Shout out to the Greater Man- Memphis Magic Arena. Um, but the community here is really, really great. It's a full of a lot of really wholesome, lighthearted, fun, but still competitive uh, group of people. I love that. It's exact kind of vibe that I would want, and I was a little apprehensive about getting uh, started and going and I kind of willed myself to go give it a try and there's a lot of different avenues for me to be able to play in person and online pixelborn uh, tournaments I think my two years I have my new year's resolutions are, are kind of twofold which is one I want to win a either online or in-person tournament like like a serious tournament not a not a just a casual come on top of the a league day because I've done that a couple times at my Saturday league but I want to enter a tournament. I want to bring a competitive deck, not necessarily the top meta because I think that's just against my moral code. But I, I, I <laughs> want to bring a competitive deck, and I, I, I want to hammer some people, and I, I want to put a forth a good showing. So it's very similar into the competitive nature as as Ian of, I, I really want to, kind of prove my metal and know what I'm worth mm-hmm. and know what I can do. Um, I think I my lack of experience. And lack of, I don't know, just the maybe the way that I treated playing a really, really competitive deck in Legends of the Fire Rings when we traveled in person to tournaments. I was playing some off metas, maybe a little bit of jank decks that really in the in the grand scheme of things probably didn't have a chance of of, of placing overall that high. Um, maybe if I had played something a little bit more conventional, could have done a little bit better. But I think I've grown as a as a card player quite a bit since then. And I think I could really do some damage in a tournament. So uh, my goal is to win a tournament and then continue to be a part of a healthy 
and lighthearted but fun and fostering uh, in-person community for, for local gaming. And who knows? I know I'll be moving at the end of the year. That might be back closer to my best friend in Virginia. Boy, and I hope then so. he and I can and he and I could be doing that together. Sound so that off in the comments. Nothing... Peer pressure. Peer pressure works, Peer baby. Pressure. I'm gonna need everybody. Well, I'm gonna need everybody. I'm gonna, need Gen Z. I'm gonna, I'm gonna manifest it. Uh, I, I will. <laughs> if I don't believe in manifesting, but if that's what it'll take to get Gibby back in uh back in Virginia, baby, I will do it. <laughs> I will lean into it. Steer into the crash. You know, nothing would make me happier than to travel to a to a an in person tournament somewhere with you again. So that yeah, would be yeah. fantastic. So yes, I've a little bit of a competitive scene for me too, but I'm I'm signing for a couple tournaments already. Oh, we gotta uh, get our, so some we'll have, to, we'll have to supplement our uh, or or replace our unite time with some hardcore hardcore sweaty neck beardy testing <laughs> oh yes break out the fun yes. oh we're gonna make oh. spreadsheets for matchups baby <laughs> <laughs> well for me my new year's resolutions are different for sure um i have one it's just personal uh, mark do not spend money uh, within the first few hours of playing every game that we play in season two, um, that's <laughs> you did that every time. There was a couple a good, times I'm like, that's a good you resolution. actually spent money. <laughs> yeah, DC Dual Force DC is a great Dual example. Force. I was of like, that. what, Mark? What? Like, I hope they give your money back. And I was like, ah, oh, shoot, I did spend did, money. On I that mean, game. I, to be fair, I gave I them like twenty dollars. Yeah, you spent yeah. way more than I did. But <laughs> yeah, but What's, anyway, who's the who's the guy that opens the kegs for you and Gwent? Uh, oh, shoot. Shoop, 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 Shoop and Mark are, are, are like this. Yeah, we are I, like I, don't, I don't regret the amount of money I've thrown to Shoop. He's a jolly fella. Uh. Yeah, no, he deserved it. Um, I my I, and then I have two that are I don't know. It's like I have a bunch of aspirations about card games this year. One, don't spend money on the digital games when I first get into them. Wait until I find one that I really enjoy. I want to put some money into it. Two, teach my daughter Pokemon that isn't just Gym Leader Challenge. Um, I want to I want to assemble a second deck that actually uses some of the stuff and i want i want to be investing time and in actually teaching her pokemon because she genuinely wants to learn pokemon and lorcana um and i want to teach her that stuff and i can get i can build competitive pokemon decks cheaper and faster than i can build competitive lorcana decks because i can go out and buy the battle league decks and finish those decks and well play just with wait her. till you see the video the gameplay video that's going up on the youtube channel baby Ooh, oh, I'll we'll show you it. how to. I'll yeah. show you how to assemble in a deck. Uh -huh. <laughs> and, uh, and lastly, my goal is, I really want to find a local group to play with when mm. Star Wars Unlimited comes out. Specifically, mm. um, I don't know if that will be a local game shop. I don't. It's kind of like a desert here for stuff like that for me. Um, but I want to get a couple of buddies into it. If I can just get like one buddy who wants to play consistently with me. Um, I want to find one person who's willing to play the physical game with me and willing to get in and build some decks with me. Um, I really want to get to sit down and play competitively with a buddy. Um, you know, I guess it would be casually, but for me, it's more competitive than playing with my six-year-old. Um, so, like, <laughs> the ability to, like, we actually each make decks and then come to win. Like, that, for me, yeah. is what I want. And well, I want that experience with a physical card game with a friend. Um, so, yeah. If there's anybody that's great at building community uh it's you so i have no doubt you'll be Aww. able to put something together for that man and i i do wish you the best on that because i know we i know gibby and i have been talking about all these in-person events and you've expressed to us before that you're like 
I just wish there was something like that around here. And that's yeah, there's nothing. That's tough. Yeah. That's really tough. Yeah, I mean, north of, north of Pittsburgh, we only have like that one branch of a handful of shops, and um, they're super toxic and and just really unfun to play in. Yeah. And so it just makes it really hard to find a find a good place in this region to play without going at least you know forty five minutes and down into the city, which truthfully at this stage in my life i just can't do but i do have a group of friends here of about there's four of us that are like rock solid there's probably a, a greater group of about eight of us that love to play board games together and literally i we played wonderlands war um cascadia and th and uh three sisters last night so we get together like once a week once every other week and play i would in, in several of them have played pokemon have played magic we've never all played the same thing at the same time i would love to get two or three of them to also play uh, Star Wars Unlimited with me this year um, and convince them that's where they should put their money. Speaking you of, think you can pre-order it right now on Gamers Guild AZ for a hundred bucks a booster box. Um, so, yeah. Do you think your wife will let you create a game shop in your basement and you can just foster your own community? You, you just you be go. the change that you want to see in the yeah. world, man? <laughs> I, I, I think that she will have some warnings against such behavior, is my guess. That's uh, what the garage yeah. is for. No yeah. Funyuns after nine. <laughs> yeah, all that I need to do, the day that I, if the day that we can get the church to buy its own space and move out of the studio above my garage, we can make a freaking killer game space i'll put all the other local game shops out of business that don't deserve honestly to be in you business. probably you probably yeah. would yeah you probably we would, would make a we'd make a dope place to play the game yeah um but well this is the real ending of the show so thanks for tuning into both endings you guys are amazing and we appreciate you and let us know in discord if you made it this far and so. maybe it'll be like a marvel movie where there's two post-credit scenes wait to find <laughs> out just wait keep playing just keep, they're looking at the just, bottom bar of the youtube video out. and there's 20 seconds just, left there's just, like not, there's, just they're not hang a out in the theater a little bit longer mark mark puts 12 minutes of silence at the end of the podcast <laughs> and then he just goes poop at the very end of it no and then the last 30 seconds is a, is a rick roll <laughs> got him <laughs> Uh, okay, well, that's going to do it for real with this episode. Hey, guys, thanks for tuning in. We'll see you in the next one.